welcome to Tigers. I'm Nadia. I'm actually kidding, this is Casey. All right, friends, welcome back to another episode of Tigress. I have a new friend with me. This is my roomie, Casey. Hi, Casey, how are you? I'm doing well, how are you? Is this your first podcast episode? No, actually. How many podcast episodes have you done? Two. <gasps> so I get to be your third? Yeah. Oh, this is very exciting. I've been around. Third time's the try. Wait, no, <laughs> third try's... <laughs> Charm. Oh, third time's the charm. Third tries the charm. Third tries the charm. Okay, we're starting over. <laughs> I think this is funny though. Um, no, okay. So uh, I'm very excited for you to meet Casey in all seriousness. Um, Casey has worked with me for almost two years as my exec assistant um, and is an amazing student at Cornell, is a writer and a poet and an artist and an advocate. And this summer, we've built a little family here mm -hmm. at my apartment. We've all lived together with our children, Mimi and Fish. So Casey, say hello to the listeners. Hello, it's nice to meet you all. It's so weird to be on this side of it though, because I listen. And you've been a producer. Oh yeah, so true. <laughs> oh yeah, forgot. <laughs> Casey's also a producer on Tigress. <laughs> we forgot about that part. Okay, Casey, well I'm very excited for this. Tell the people a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? I'm from Oregon, like you. That was like our first bonding experience. Do you remember that? Like, oh, you're Asian from Oregon. Yeah, we like really, really bonded over that. But you had it more rough than I did. You had it pretty rough too for different reasons. For different reasons. <laughs> but like, but simply for like growing up in Oregon as a person of color, like mm. you were in rural Oregon. Yeah, I was in the boonies. The boonies. The boonies. But, um, and then we met a couple years ago, started working together. Tell me about Cornell. Do you <laughs> like it? Have you had a good experience? I love my friends. I always say I like lucked out so hard with my friends. Like I couldn't have asked for better people. Um, I love my professors, but I hate the administration. But I low-key feel like I would have hated it no matter where I went. The administration because it's like the system yeah and it like sucks and doesn't work it don't work you know what's crazy is i remember talking to you when you were a freshman oh, really? and you had not found friends yet mm. and you were really struggling with depression mm. and you you also like hadn't really drank alcohol yet oh, no. <laughs> i didn't make friends because of my that's when i met my ex yeah, you had like a very controlling ex. And I remember after you broke up, you like really still didn't have friends. Yeah, I was like, oh, now who do I spend my time with? Okay, so that changed though. And now you have a great group of friends. But yeah, I love them to actual bits. And what has the experience been like being in college, working so many different gigs? Oh, it's definitely like tough. Like, but it's like you got to do what you got to do, I think. Where do you think your motivation comes from? My family. Tell me about your family. I have the best family ever. I have a dad and a mom, and I... <laughs> <laughs> they had sex. I have a dad and a mom. Some people don't. Okay, where are they from? Oh, they're from Korea. Okay, and how many siblings do you have? I am very fortunate to have a younger brother and an older sister, so I am a middle child. Oh, and tell me about your parents. What do they do? 
my dad works at a Dairy Queen, and he has for the past 21 years. So, yeah, he's, he's like, the best person ever. He's been my favorite person since I was little. No hate to my mom. Like, I love her also. But I have a very special relationship with my dad, I think. Not in a weird way. <laughs> I, I hate it when I talk about my dad, and it's, like, so sweet, and the people are, like, Oedipus complex. And I'm, like, literally shut up. I mean, I feel like when things are going wrong in your love life, it does make you miss your dad. Because, like, I, when I was little, I always believed in that, like, trope where it's, like, a young, like, a little girl's, like, heartbroken, and then, like, she has her dad to lean on, and how he's always supposed to be there for you, and how he's supposed to, like, beat up the bad guys for you. Has your dad been, like, a protective force in your life? No. (laughs) (laughs) Why is this therapy? So where does that come from? I think I always really – actually, I, I can't say no. Like, I think when I was little, I, like, thought he was, like, literally God. Like, I was like, you're – But, like, why? Girl. What were you seeing? Like, was he, like, weightlifting and you were like, oh, my God, he's so strong. Like, where does the admiration come from? I'm just asking out of curiosity. Like, obviously, I have – because you don't – ha- I don't have, like, a dad. <laughs> <laughs> I had one, but, like, he wasn't a god. Mm. <laughs> he I, was, like, the opposite. I think from a very, so true. <laughs> I, wait, this is actually sidetrack. You had me read Tiger. Your am I allowed to talk about Tigers? Yeah. You had me read Tigers, like, which is my manuscript. Yeah, like six months into me working with you, so you weren't that close. I don't. It was like shortly after we had met for the first time, and I was like, I know so much. And about then I was like, you. here's my trauma, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, written out. <laughs> but. Oh, I had a very deep understanding from a young age. Maybe not deep, but I had an understanding at a young age that my dad worked really hard. Like, I remember he would leave so early in the morning, and then he wouldn't come home in time for dinner. So, like, during the summers, my mom and my sister and I would, like, make him omuraisu and, like, pack it up and, like, bring it to him. And I don't know. I just like always thought he was so hardworking. I never saw him like really catch a catch a breath sometimes. But I feel like as a kid, right? Like, I or I don't. I wouldn't know. But like, most people, I would assume like most kids, like you don't really understand that they're working hard. You just see that like they're never there. That they're sweaty. Like, was it your mom who was saying, "Oh, Appa can't be here because you're he's working so hard." Um. To be honest, I remember so little about my interaction with my mom when I was growing up. And we actually had a conversation Mm. about... So after I told them I was essayed, like, the first time I saw... Or maybe this was a few times after I'd seen them in person. um, My mom had this, like, really deep conversation with me. And she was like, do you have these bad relationships with men? Or, like, do you just, like, interact with these bad men because I didn't give you enough attention when I was, when you were little. And I was like, um, I don't know. Like, I don't remember. <laughs> like, I remember my childhood pretty fondly. And she was like, because sometimes you would ask me to play with you, like, when my older sister was in kindergarten, and I would just ignore you. And I was like, hmm, I don't remember that. So you don't have the closest relationship with your mom? When I was growing up, definitely no. But I think now, now I do. Yeah. But so your dad you knew as, like, the hardworking guy – who was working at Dairy Queen, but you didn't see him very often. And you're very public about being in a survivor of sexual assault. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, is that from college? Like, when did that happen? And 
were you always open with your parents about it? Because I think that that's pretty mm. special in like an Asian American household. No, so true. I I think it is very odd. Actually, the first time I experienced essay was when I was like really young. I was fourteen. I was going into eighth grade, and I to be honest, don't remember a lot of it. I feel like I blocked it off. But that kind of like yeah. started like my bad interactions with men. Like I would. Like, I'm pretty open about this. I would, like, send nudes to a lot of guys in high school fully knowing that they were, like, exchanging them. But I was just like, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, And then that only stopped when I got into a relationship in high school. And then I went to college, was essayed in college. And that was one that I was, like, I feel like I had a different awareness when I was – well, at the time I was 19 versus when I was 14. And I was like, oh, I should report this. And like, oh, this is like, I know what this is. As like is you happening. knew it was wrong. Yeah. Did you know the one I, and you don't have to go into detail if you don't want to, but um, when you were 14, like, did you know it was wrong when it happened? No. And I hate to use the word groom because I don't think that's what it was because he was my age, but his like, my sexual knowledge was like negative because I, Catholic school, Christian since Korean family yeah since like the womb and he actually taught me everything I knew about sex at the time and so he would be like oh can you like send me a photo of your thighs and I would be like he'd be like what like my knee (laughs) (laughs) literally and then he would like instruct me on what to do in the photo yeah okay and then like it would it would it was taken online or yeah no offline so wait, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just curious, like, um, like if yeah, while it was happening, like when, for example, when he asked you for nudes, were you like, oh, this isn't wrong, like this oh, is no, like totally no. fine. But also like, I mean, I was sending nudes in middle school too on those stupid. I, I'm older than you, oh like the um, slidey phones. What? Yeah, I had a slidey phone. On? Yeah, you have a yes, you have a fucking <laughs> camera on those. You know those slidey they were these slidey phones, they were like Nokia versions. I know and Nokia. Okay, okay, so I had a trio. Thank you very I much. I had a trio and you could slide it and type it and you could turn it and you took these really grainy nude photos as like a fucking eleven year old, which is so wild to 11? me. Well, yeah, because that's like sixth grade. Yeah. But like it w- but I think for me, I knew it was like something that like, my mom, can I f- not find out? This is very inappropriate. Like, there was some part of me that knew it was wrong. Oh, I, I knew it was, like, ooh, like or not I wrong, but, like, inappropriate. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, like, but he was, he was my best, 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 bestie. Like, I genuinely thought we were going to go to each other's weddings and, like, funerals. Um, That's the measurement of when you know your best friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, so not, does that mean, like, everyone's am invited. I going to your funeral? Unless you Or you're like, Casey's like, bitch, I'm going to outlive you. (laughs) No, I will. (laughs) Okay. I I will. So, okay, I'm very curious about this because I feel like it took me a bit to be open with my mom. And I'm very open with with my mom about sexual assault. But, like, Mm. when it happened, like, you tell your parents immediately, like, what, what was the introduction of, like, this being a conversation with your immigrant you know not conservative but like more no my parents are like the typical Asian parents that's who they are and like I love them I think they are a little bit more progressive than I don't know what stereotypes perpetuate like my dad was like you don't have to be a doctor or a lawyer 
so progressive yeah I know that's where the bar is <laughs> um so the day it happened I went to the ER and I got a rape kit and they're like this is five thousand dollars this is in college yeah okay. this is when I was 19 oh so this is essay number yeah, two no, yeah okay. I like I never okay. told them I don't even think they knew that I wasn't a virgin because I lost my vir- virginity to construct I had sex for the first time when I was 16 and they don't yeah. know okay um but so yeah I was 19 and that night I was like five thousand dollars is a lot of money you have to pay to get a rape kit well thankfully only I think New York State is on, one of the only states that does this but they have a fund where if you get a rape kit, they'll pay for it. But if you live in a state that doesn't have the fund, or if you don't qualify for the fund, it's $5,000. Okay. So so you're in Cornell, you're at the Cornell Hospital, and you get, you get to benefit from the fund because it's in New York State. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, and I'm also insured. Did your parents know that you were a survivor before this, though, from high school? No. So oh, so you hadn't talked to them at all no. about this. I, like, never had any single conversation about sex, even, like, consensual sex. Wow. Yeah, so I I remember just walking home from this, like, art event, and I was like, okay, there's a lot of money. Just in case, I should call them. So I call my mom, which I think is really interesting because I was more close with my dad. I was just really scared of telling my dad. I call my mom, and I was like, so I went to the hospital, and she was like, why? And I was like, I don't know what the word is. So I Google Translate it. What did you, what did you Google Translate? Like rape. sexual assault? Okay, no, rape. I, rape. Yeah. With the hard, hard R. Hard R. <laughs> rape. <laughs> and then, which, funny thing, this is where the Asian really comes out, my mom. One, one of the first questions she asked me was is he rich no what race he was uh, and i was like ma he's east asian and she was like really and i was like yep wait so was it because she it was coming from a place of like oh expecting he would be white yeah okay or literally just like anything is up korean like mm. i think is what was her expectation and he wasn't korean but he was east asian so like close enough was she shocked like yeah she was okay. really surprised and she was like she asked a bunch of questions, and then at the end, she was like, okay, just so you know, I have to tell your dad. And I was like, I know, I kind of wanted you to be, like, I, I was like, I don't, oh, no. I, I don't have it in me to tell him. Yeah. He calls me. He's pissed. At you or yeah. world? Me. Well, I think he's pissed at world, but he is channeling it at me. And he was like, how did you guys meet? How did this wait, happen? Wait, wait, wait. So uh, before this, had you ever talked to your dad about relationships, no. sex, anything? He knew I was in a relationship in high school, but, like, the extent of his interaction with that, like, he wouldn't even call my ex by his name. He'd say, oh, are you going to see that friend? And I'd be like, <laughs> that friend? <laughs> my boyfriend? <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, we never talk about dating, never talk about sex, no kissing, like, if my ex was, like, near me, I would be like, you cannot hold my hand. Like, don't touch me. Five feet away. Okay, so he calls you. He's mad. Yeah, and he's just like, he's just like, how could this happen? And he was like, 
I'm already so worried about you. And he was like, I tell you all the time, like, try to keep yourself safe because you're so far and I can't help you. And I was, I was so over it. I was like, I can't do this right now. And I, I remember I hung up on him and then he called me like every day for the next few weeks, like really mad. I remember this one thing he said that really stuck out to me. He was like, you have to pretend like you're driving a car and in the car is your grandma my sisters like all of your aunts like every and he only named women which that was interesting he's like all the women i've ever cared about essentially and he was like and when you got raped you crashed that car and you hurt everyone and i was like it's not my choice and i remember i like i was so mad at him after that because he knows how much i care about my family and i know he didn't mean it yeah and he was just mad and like men aren't taught how to but in the moment you don't in the moment, I was yeah. just like, fuck you, dude. And I um, I hung up. But then over time, it, it turned less into angry calls and more like he was like advice. He was like, I did research. And if he, if he reaches out to you, say nothing. He was like, if a lawyer reaches out to you, say nothing. Um. And he was like, and he was like, if anything happens, record it. So, but was there ever a conversation like, are you okay? Like, what happened? I'm worried about you. Like, how are you doing? They honestly never, like, how are you? Even to this day, they've never asked me, like, how are you doing? They're always like, nothing bad has happened, right? Or they're like, you're eating well, you're sleeping well. Like, uh, very Asian. Yeah, like, they always kind of, like, dance around the question. Um, but they did ask me ha- what happened. Yeah. Um, and they did ask me. And they knew that you were going to pursue Title IX. They were a part of those conversations. My dad was a big reason why I did, actually. He, like, gave me this whole speech. Of, like, fighting for justice? He was, yeah. He was, like, because I told him how old he was. He was a decade older than me. Mm. Yeah, I know. But you were 19 at the, yeah, you were 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it wasn't pedophilia, but I just think it's weird. Like, you're old, dude. Um, (laughs) My dad was, like, it's not like you guys are 12 and, like, fucking around and like you don't know jack shit like he's an adult mm-hmm. and if you don't say anything <laughs> hey Mimi fight of fun she kissed me uh Mimi my puppy just jumped up to give Casey kisses Mimi's a big Casey fan Aww, I'm a big Mimi fan keep going um he was just like oh he's 30 so it's not like he's a fucking kid who doesn't know jack shit and made a mistake. Like, he knew what he was doing. He's not stupid. So don't treat him like he's stupid. And then he was like, what if it happened to other people? And he was like, it's just not fair. He was like, end of day, it's not fair to you. Look at your dad being a little advocate. He was, he really slayed. Did you ever tell him, like, hey, dad, the way that you're angry at me and reacting, you know, feels victim-blaming? Like, what... I mean, I've heard you use that language publicly as an advocate, but were were those conversations in your life? No. Have you ever talked about it since then? No, not to with with my parents. I kind of, like, with time, like, was, like, I know he's not mad at me. I think he was pissed at the world and just, just, like, could not go anywhere except to me. And so I, 
and I did at one point, like, I was like, I can't call you anymore because every time I call you, you're just mad. Yeah, which was not helpful. Yeah. So there was, like, a little bit of, like, space that was necessary for me to be like, okay, I know he's not mad at me, but that doesn't make it forgivable. I just, like, I need space. Um, Where did you get this language of, like, how you could cope with that being like, okay, my dad is going through this stuff. You know, it wasn't my fault. I did nothing wrong. This shouldn't have happened. Like, where do you think that that awareness around handling the whole, one, the event of it, but also the aftermath with Title IX, like, where, do you, where did you learn all of this? I think a big part of it was my friends. Because, like, okay. every t- single time I talk about it, they'd be like, okay, it's not your fault. Like, yeah. no question. They'd be like, fuck him. Like, they were pissed, too, rightfully so. And I... But not at you. Yeah. And they and they were so quick to... Like, they said it so, like, matter-of-factly, like, he's in the wrong. Like, no... Yeah. Like, I would talk about it and talk about it, and they're like, okay, but it shouldn't have happened. And they would just say it, like, point blank as though it was, like, just a fact of the, yeah. of the world. But I also feel like growing up with socials and, like having just like listened in on those conversations with in the media and stuff like that like I remember I was in middle school high school when the Christine Blasey Ford thing happened like it was it's very hard to avoid those conversations so I feel like I learned from a young ish age like it's through social media yeah yeah and just like growing up when me too was happening yeah we didn't really have a plan for this episode. We were just going to see where it took us. Yeah. This is, like, so dark. Like, no, I don't think – but I, I will say, I don't think it's dark, and I think that one of the things you told me recently, um, I had Casey make a, a deck about her career ambitions and dreams mm-hmm. um, as her, like, manifesting. And one of the things you said that you were passionate about was that the space for sexual assault survivors was missing a lot of joy. And I thought that was really powerful because I think it's very true where like a lot of the digital advocacy around sexual assault um, is about just kind of emphasizing these really depressing stats and Mm. like infographics and all these things about the problem. And when in reality, as you said, like so much of that healing and community like needs joy and is about joy and is made possible by joy. Mm. And so like, I don't like I, I, when I, when you tell me this, like, Maybe it's because I'm also a survivor. I don't feel, like, sorry or I'm... And obviously, I wish that never happened to you, but I also mm. feel a lot of pride because, I mean, we were working together through this whole part, and... Oh, yeah, I remember texting you, too. Yeah, you would text me, and you'd be like, is there anything else for me to do? I'd be like, dude, go log off. Like, <laughs> I you're that. still going to get paid. Like, just log <laughs> off. It does. It's like, this is not... Title IX is way more important, and um, so I... I, I I, I find it very inspiring because now you're, what, a year and a half out? Or no, a year. A year yeah. as of last week. You're a year away from this, and look at everything that's happened since then. You pursued Title IX. Mm. Outcome in your favor, not, like, actual accountability, yeah. but that's the system's fault. Um, and you're now, like, publicly being an advocate for it on your own channels and beyond. Yeah. I'm glad you don't think it's depressing. I hate it when... I don't hate it. I understand it. 
But I think it's like a li- it's strange when you like talk about something because when I talk about getting raped, to be honest, to me, it's just like another story. It's just like another thing. Like, yeah, it is heavy and it has a lot of gravity, but I don't want it to be like this deep, depressing, dark, like s- scary thing. And I hate it when people are like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, yeah, like I know it's like really difficult to know how to respond. Well, uh, let me ask you, because I I I find I feel very similar. Like the word rape carries a lot of mm. weight and it, it, it is a serious thing. Right? Yeah. But I think that I mean, it's cognitive behavioral therapy. Right? My dog is has a lot of energy. Cognitive behavioral therapy, where the whole point is to desensitize you yeah. so that you can talk about it and it's not re-triggering. Right. Yeah. And but how would you ideally want someone to respond? I'd be like, like genuinely, if someone's like, wow, that fucking sucks. Because it does. It fucking yeah. sucks. Or if they're like. But you don't want them to apologize. No, because it's not your fault. And I feel like that puts me in the position of being like comforting them. And it's not that I don't want to comfort people. But, but you don't owe it to them. like. Yeah, it's just like, it. I feel like pivots away from the main part of the conversation. And it's this weird conversation about blame and maybe I'm just like tired of having it but like genuinely I'd feel so much it I would understand people like be like that sucks proud of you for getting through it end of story can I ask what you think about like trigger warnings because I Mm. I obviously being in a lot of these feminist spaces and conferences trigger warnings content warnings is a whole thing like so you don't re-trigger but a friend of mine who's an also an advocate kind of behind the scenes has been doing a lot of discussion around how trigger warnings actually just add to the burden on survivors and the people Mm -hmm. who are telling those stories when really we should be enabling them to have these conversations and tell these stories with you know kind of from a place of strength rather than like concern and burden for others I actually, when Cornell was having that, did you hear about that at Cornell? Like, no. this was right when the semester ended. I was quoted in a New York Times article as an anonymous, we an love. anonymous contributor. Um, Not so anonymous anymore. Yeah, I guess never. <laughs> <laughs> but as, essentially, this resolution through Student Assembly um, was trying to pass that encouraged professors to include trigger warnings in syllabi. Oh. And it got struck down so hard by Miss President Martha Pollack. Um, do we like her? No. Okay. I'm, we don't actually, like her. No, I'm so open about not liking her. Um, I'm a hater. But I've, 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 I feel like I've had this because also I did high school debate. I hate to admit it. And that was a... You didn't just do high school debate. She was nationally ranked champion. Mm. Casey likes to say she wasn't the champion, but she was in the top ten. That was like three, four years ago. Almost. Four Were you in the top ten? Yeah. Yes. Champion. But, (laughs) and like towards the end of my debate career, it was a big thing. It was a big topic of conversation. Like it was an r slash debate all the time. Because you had to give trigger warnings. Honestly, I don't think I ever did. But I knew people that did. And there was that Mm. study that was like, oh, trigger warnings are re-triggering. So I feel like my take on it is like, and I actually don't, I don't put trigger warnings on art pieces or essays that just use the word or yeah or that just use the word rape or sexual assault if it's like graphic because like you're not if you're walking down the street and there's a word like rape you're not no one's gonna give you a trigger warning for that like you're no, not but, but i think the thing is is like should they no because like in the real world you're not given trigger warnings but i think the caveat to that is i think there should be trigger warnings 
for like deeply graphic things. Well, let me put it this way. When we put this podcast episode out, should mm -hmm. there be a trigger warning at the beginning and in the description? I feel like no, because yeah. I don't describe like yeah. limb by limb what's I think like limb by limb. <laughs> that's what you have to do for Title IX interviews. Oh, yeah. For my first. Oh, my God. It was so like I was like he was like, so where was your arm? And I was like, the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have no consciousness of like where my body is like when I'm just existing. Okay. So. <laughs> I, th I also feel that this awkwardness around, like, how do you respond to people around kind of these heavy things? Like, mm. when people say, like, their parent died. Like, when they're like, oh, my oh, mom died. Yeah, that's Like, hard. I always say, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. But to your point, obviously, that and being sexual assault is, like, very different. But I think yeah. in a social conversation, it's similarly, like, oh, my God. Really, like, ugh. <laughs> you know, like, where you, you do feel so bad. Like, that shouldn't yeah. happen. And, like, you feel so awful. But, like, at the same time... I can imagine maybe it would feel the same way. Okay, all this to say, I mean, we could talk for hours and we probably will yeah. in future episodes. Um, we started talking about why we were living together. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do think, Meal. no, this is more so a meet Casey episode, I think. Yeah, And true. I think that if I were to ask you, like, how would you identify? It really is around, like, I've heard you introduce yourself and like what you care about. It's mm -hmm. around like you, your family. And I do think being a survivor and now an advocate for survivors yeah. is a really big part of your identity. And so mm -hmm. I, my hope is that people can listen to this and get to know a little bit about you and like what you stand for, what you care about, the things that you've gone through and the things that you're passionate about now. Mm -hmm. And we have so many stories for you because like- True. Casey's been living with me for, like, what, two months? Two months, going on three. Yeah. And, like, is never moving out, hopefully. Yeah. Except that she has to go back to school. And Henry and I, Henry in particular. Really? Is very upset that you're going, I, like, moving I, like, thought he thought I was so annoying. But he's not annoyed at you. I just, like, I don't know why, but it was just, like, when I first Because he's white. <laughs> No, but I do think, I do think, I mean, you know, you and Henry have a very sweet relationship. Yeah. Like, very sibling, kind of. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Like, I also, like, I just, like, really, eh, I don't always trust his judgment, but, like, when <laughs> it comes to things that really affect me, I trust his judgment. Because he was the first hater of my ex, the toxic oh, ex, yeah. not the high school ex. Like, he immediately was like, this is bad. Yeah. Yeah. What he called it first. Yeah. Well, yeah, he says I'm very bad at reading red flags, too. But I'm like, mm. I don't think you're bad at it. But Maybe I. Maybe it's a man thing. <laughs> no, like, genuinely, like. That's because most red flags are from <laughs> men. Like, that's why. Like, because he is one. Okay, all that to say, though, we. We have so many stories from living together, um, from raising our kids together, Mimi and Fish. Um, One day we'll say that and it'll be real children. To be honest, I think we're going to have kids at the same time, like around the same time. When are you trying to have kids? I don't know, but I feel like you're going to have kids a little later. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if like I had my first kid. When, first. Like, no, not first, but like. I had my first kid only a year out from you having your first kid. 
So what if I try to have my kid when I'm like, what, 29? You'll be 24, 25? Yeah. Like that's reasonably when you would want to have kids? If I like found the man I want to have children with. Or like oh my gosh, wait, this is a whole man. other conversation. So y'all, this is, stay tuned for future episodes. Can I ask, when you date, are you dating for fun? Or are you dating to find like your person? Oh my God, such a good question. I feel like I don't put it, I try not to put pressure on it. Like, of course I hope it's fun no matter what. But like if this person ends up being the person I want to spend the rest of my life with, then he's the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. Let me put it this way. If you knew, like if you're sure, oh, we're never like, gonna be a thing like we're not getting married like you know you'll break up eventually will you still be like oh no but I'm having fun now I'm enjoying it right now I'll enjoy it tbh but I feel like the past two guys I've really liked I was like oh Hmm. I can see future with you (laughs) (laughs) okay we have so much to chat about because like you also have a situationship that I find really interesting that I've also met Oh, yeah, and he, like, that actually was, like, one of the first, like, I was like, wait, you actually really care about me. He's that thick. Because he fucking, the NFL draft is, like, the his holiday of the year. (laughs) He missed the draft. To watch Nadia speak. Watch my boss speak about periods. For, like, he was there for, for, like, two, two, three hours. Yeah, and I was like, dude, we can go. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, he's like, I love listening to Nadia. And I was like, because my ex would not meet you, refused to meet you. Be- that He was just a walk and run flag. Honestly, we can do a whole situation. Mm, exposed. Anyways, okay. Uh, lots to talk about, but I hope y'all enjoyed meeting Casey. Um, and I'm glad you get to finally meet someone who's also a producer on Tigress who's been bringing you not one, but two of the last season. So um, excited that she's here and hoping that she'll be like more of a regular guest. We've been planning out season three and we've kind of landed on doing a mix of like, you know, the OG Tigress format of just kind of reflections and learnings, but also having, you know, very personal conversations. So slay. 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 Casey does a lot of sleigh and sliving. And Henry now says sleigh. We're sleigh family. Sleigh family. Bye, Bye. y'all.